Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Luke chapter 3. And in the last podcast, we left off talking about how God is a God of timing and the timing was right. He sent a message to John and he, he said, it's time to get this ball rolling. And so John is going out and he's, he's, he's preaching about uh, the kingdom is at hand and he's, the Messiah is here. And, and, and um, he says, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized for your, the, the remission of your sins. And, and, and that's, uh, he's out there baptizing people in the Jordan River. And there's crowds of people coming out to hear the message. And, and, and I talked to, in the last podcast about uh, how the other gospels share what John the Baptist looked like. And, and they describe him as a guy who's, uh, you know, he hasn't cut his hair he, he's, I'm sure he hasn't shaved. He's got a long beard, and he's his for his food. He's eating locusts and wild honey, which would get caught up all in his beard. And he's he's dressed in camel's hair, uh, nothing to look at. Uh, I'm sure he would scare all the, the little children when they when they did see him. He he would be a nasty guy. He's living in the desert. He's living in the wilderness. And when he goes to take a bath, it's probably when he's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And, and I shared uh, what Naaman the leper says about the Jordan River because he said the rivers in Damascus are far more cleaner than the Jordan River. Why can't you know I go dip seven times there? And so the Jordan River, you know, there's things floating around in that thing. The water's nasty. So th- the point that I was making was that it's not about the messenger. It's all about the message and it is the power that is in the name of Jesus because the message is the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, he was buried, and he come out of that tomb three days later. And then 40 days later, he ascends back to the Father where Peter says he sat at the Father's right hand in the highest place of honor. And Jesus himself said, that all power and authority was given to him. And so there is power in the name of Jesus. And today we're going to pick up uh, with what Luke says about John the baptizer's message. And he gives us some insight of the message that some of the messages that John was telling people in verses 7 through 14. He says, When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That absolutely means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. So you can just picture John the baptizer and these people, and they're, they're listening to John talk, and they're seeing him speak, and he points at these rocks. He says, hey... Just because you belong to Abraham, you're descendants of Abraham, you're a a Jew that has descended from Abraham, and you can trace your lineage through Abraham. He said, that doesn't mean a thing. He said, because you see these rocks right here? God can make people from these rocks. He can make descendants if he wants to straight from these rocks that are just sitting here on this dirt. So just because you're children of Abraham doesn't mean a thing. 
He says in verse 9, Even now the axe of God's judgment, the axe, as in cutting of a tree, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked, what should we do? That, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and he tells the people, you have crucified the very Messiah you've been looking for all of this time. And it says they were pricked in their heart. And they asked this question, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And you shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. For this gift is unto you and your children and all that are afar off. Well, here's, here's John the baptizer with a similar message saying that, hey, just because you belong to Abraham, you're not safe. You're not in the safe zone with God because the Messiah is here. His kingdom is at hand. And God can create children of Abraham from these very stones that you see right here laying in this dirt. And he says, the axe of God's judgment is ready to sever the roots of the trees. And yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. You can see the picture that he's painting here. And the crowds ask, you know, I don't want to be thrown in the fire. I, I, don't, want my, I don't want my tree to be chopped down. What do I got to do? And John replies, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized. They asked, teacher, what should we do? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're corrupt tax collectors. We're, we're taking money from the rich and the poor, and we're taking more than our share. I mean, people, they didn't like tax collectors today. I just had to pay a lot of money to the government. I mean, a lot of money. And I could have bought a, bought a nice car with the money that I had to pay to the government. We don't like tax collectors. They take our money. But these people took more than their fair share. And, and that's why Luke calls them corrupt tax collectors. They came to, to John to be baptized. What do we got to do, teacher? And he replied, collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Ask some soldiers. And John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. And I, I've told the story in a previous podcast, and I'll just talk about it real quick. But I went on a mission trip in 1994 down to old Mexico, Nuevo Leones, uh, way up in the Sierra Madre Mountains, 8,000 feet up in the Sierra Madre Mountains. And we crossed the border in Monterey. When we got to the border... There was a bus, uh, 52 of us on the bus, and we had seven vans. And I'm on the bus with 51 other people, and this soldier walks on our bus, and he has a machine gun. He could have pulled that trigger and just and just wiped us all out if he wanted to. And uh, I remember our preacher just took out a wad, I mean, as big as he could fit in his hand of pesos, and gave it to that soldier. And... and, and the soldier just looked around the bus for a second and walked off and told us we can go on through. But I, I, that's what makes me think about when when these soldiers come to be baptized by John the baptizer and they say, hey, wh you know, what do we got uh, to do to, to get our lives right with God? And, 
And John says, don't extort money or make false accusations. Be content with your pay. And so let's break this down just for a few minutes. And before we get into, to, to, before we go to break, the Jews had a belief that, you know, just because they were Abraham's descendants, they were God's chosen people, right? They were safe, if you will, with God. They put their trust in a covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 17. And that covenant has to do with circumcision. And that's why their male children were circumcised on the eighth day, including John the Baptizer, including Jesus was uh, circumcised on the eighth day. Um, but John the Baptizer is saying, How, you, that, 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 that's not going to fly with God anymore. The Messiah is here. The kingdom is at hand. And if you want to get right with God, you've got to repent of your sins and you've got to be baptized. And, and, and but they had a very hard time. When you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that this was a major issue with the, the Jews. Um, in John 8, 31 through 37, we have a, a good example. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. And this is the Jews talking. They were in the crowd. We're descendants of Abraham. They said, we've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, and that's everybody, no matter if, you, if you're a child of Abraham, if you're a Jew, or if you're a Gentile, a Gentile is anybody that is not a Jew. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Well, Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're not Jesus, because Jesus is the only one who never sinned, that's why he could be the sacrifice to pay the penalty of our sin debt to God. Jesus is the only one who has never sinned. Anybody else that's ever been on the face of this earth has sinned and are sinners. And we are slaves to sin. And that's why Jesus came to set us free. And that's why Jesus is telling these people that they can be set free by the truth. The truth will set you free. Well, we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. And I love that when Paul talks about that we have been, if we belong to Christ, if the blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins away, if we're filled with His Holy Spirit, then we cry out to God, Abba, Father. We are His adopted sons. We are His adopted daughters. We are His adopted children. We are members of His family. We're not a slave to sin because Jesus' blood that He shed on the Calvary's cross has washed us free. It has washed us white. We are not sin-stained anymore. We, we are not a slaves to sin. And we are, we are uh, a permanent member of the family because we are sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. And we are our family forever. So, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, Jesus being the Son, and these Jews trying to reason in their heads of what we're, we're children of abraham we've never been slaves to anybody 
And now you're trying to tell me that I need to believe in the Son and let the Son set me free? Yes, that's exactly what he's trying to tell you. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. And if you go and read John, the whole chapter of John 8, Man, these two, the Jews and Jesus, they just go back and forth, back and forth. And they, and they literally pick up stones to try and stone Jesus. And he takes off. He takes off. Um, because he tells him, he says, before Abraham ever was, I am. And they knew exactly what he meant when he said, I am. He was ranking himself equal with God for when when. Uh, uh, when God told Moses, asked God, he said, well, who am I supposed to tell the people who sent me? And God says, tell them I am that I am sent you. And Jesus tells these Jews, he says, before Abraham ever was, I am. They knew exactly what he meant, that he was ranking himself equal with God. And they pick up them stones and they want to they kill Jesus, but he, he, he gets out of Dodge. He, he leaves immediately. But Jesus said, Yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my messages. As we go to break, I want you to think about this. When we take a look at what Jesus just said and what John says in his message, it all boils down to this. What's in our hearts? What, what is in our hearts? Where is our heart? Are we selfless or are we selfish? Because if our hearts are not right with God, then we're selfish. If we're not living for Jesus Christ, we are a selfish people, and the fruit will prove it. But if we are full of Jesus, power in the name of Jesus, and we're full of His Holy Spirit, and we're being guided by the Holy Spirit, and we have the fruits of the Spirit working in our lives, then we are selfless. Because that's what Jesus was. That's how Jesus lived. He just gave and he gave and he gave and he gave until the point that he gave his life on the cross. And as we go into break, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I just pray that you think about those things. The selflessness of Jesus and how while you were enemies and I were enemies of the cross of, of God, Jesus paid the price for you and me so that we can be made friends again with God when he died on the cross for our sins and when he was resurrected he gave us that hope and I pray that you would give your life to Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior when we come back from break we're going to finish up Luke chapter 3 we'll be right back this is Ryan Kirst I'm the student pastor at Partnership Christian Church and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to the Grind It Podcast. Keep grinding. So in verses 15 through 18 of Luke 3, uh, Luke says, Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat and his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. 
And John Luke, Luke says that John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. Now, John or Luke starts off by saying that John said everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. See, there there was something brewing that, and people just could feel it. They just knew it. Why? Because they're familiar with the prophets. They know what the prophets said, and they've been taught that the Messiah, their Savior, would soon be coming to rescue them, not from sin, really, but from Roman oppression. They were looking for this Savior who would lead them. He's going to be this mighty warrior like David was, and he's going to lead the people against this fight against the Roman oppression. And so they, 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 were, they had an expectation of the Messiah, but their perception of the Messiah was a little off. And that's why they had such a problem with Jesus when he shows up an ordinary man dressed in ordinary clothes and he was nothing special to look at except for in his teachings. They, his teachings just floored them. But they, they had, a, you know, this is Mary's son. This is Joseph's boy. Uh, this is the carpenter's son. And, and, and he's, he's, a, he's born of an adulterer. They just had all kinds of issues they could not, look past because they they have been taught a certain way that this is how the messiah is going to be and then jesus shows up an ordinary dude doing extraordinary things and it, it they a lot of people just had a problem with that and they couldn't get past uh, what they were seeing but they were expecting a messiah and when they looked around they saw many similar things that we do even today if you, you think about this, their society was being influenced and driven by a corrupt government. Uh, new ideologies were being formed uh, or were being thrust into their culture. Uh, their beliefs are being challenged in, in many of the same ways that ours are. Racism existed between, and it was, I mean, bad racism between the Jews, the Gentiles, the Samaritans, and, and, and the Romans. Uh, it was horrible. Um, and they even had TV preachers, even though they had, didn't have TVs. But they had preachers that were gaining men's fame instead of God's. Just like we have today. Because the, they, they, the, the preachers thought it was all about them. And they, they would have people rise up and say, hey, I'm the Messiah. And it turned out to be, uh, they turned out not to be uh, the Messiah. They had the Pharisees who stood out there on the street corners and looked all religious and, and, and wanted men's praise, and and you know, and Jesus denounces the Pharisees and said that their hearts are empty. They're, they're like the tombs of dead people. They're you know they're empty, full of dead man's bones. But when Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, he was absolutely right because the Jews were looking for something that they knew existed, the Messiah, and they're looking for him to come. Right? They're looking for his coming, and as Luke says, they were expecting the Messiah, to come soon. And so uh, after speaking through the prophets, God had been silent for around 400 years or more. And John the baptizer comes on the scene and he breaks the silence. He literally breaks the silence, a voice crying in the wilderness. So this, this word expecting implies that the person knows uh, that the thing they're expecting something. They know that it exists and they are just waiting for whatever that thing is, they're waiting for its arrival. 
And let me give you uh, let me give you an example. Let's say you're online and you order something from uh, Walmart or Amazon or you know whatever. You order your groceries; they're going to get delivered. You know that whatever you ordered exists because you just ordered it. You you know that it exists because your bank account was charged for it, and then they gave you a confirmation number for your order. And if something goes wrong with that order, you have that confirmation number. And you can say, hey, look, I have proof that this thing exists and that I actually ordered whatever it is that I ordered. And, and so you know that it exists. And they send you an email telling you that your package will be or has been shipped. And they'll even tell you uh, when, it'll, uh, when it will arrive at your house. And so you wait with anticipation for your package to arrive, I mean, I've ordered stuff from my kids uh, a lot, and, and and they'll come home and they'll say, "Has my package got here yet? Has my package got here yet?" They're they're they they wait with anticipation. They're they're ready for their package to get here, and 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 now it's even so detailed you can pull up the the UPS or FedEx on your phone and you can see exactly where the UPS truck is and you can track it as it's coming to your house. They couldn't do that with Jesus. They couldn't do that with the Messiah, even though they, they had uh, the prophets who gave over 300 prophecies about the Messiah. They could, they could be expecting the Messiah, and they could have things to look for, kind of like we look at GPS, and we can see where the package is and when it's going to get to our home. But they didn't know exactly when the Messiah was coming. They just knew that his arrival was soon. Because they could see the signs, the time was right. And then here's this creepy looking dude dressed in camel's hair and, and eating locusts and wild honey and baptizing people in the nasty river Jordan and, and he's living in the desert and he's telling people, hey, the kingdom is at hand. The Messiah is here. And so the package, in other words, the package is arriving I am the confirmation that John says, I'm preparing the way. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness. The confirmation is here. I am the confirmation. And he is the Messiah. And he will soon show up. So you better get ready. And so you better have some, you, you better be in, anticipating his arrival. There are many people today, including myself, that know the Messiah, Jesus, exists. And like the Jews in John's day, we are waiting for his coming. He's already come once, and he died on the cross, and, and, and he was in the tomb for three days, and then he was resurrected. Then he ascended back to the Father 40 days later. And now, it's been over 2,000 years, and we are waiting for his arrival to end this thing, to take us all home and separate us from the sheep and the goats. The sheep going into heaven and the goats going into hell. We are waiting. We are expecting. We are expecting with anticipation the trumpet to sound and for the shout of God to, to, to announce His arrival. When He will call us into judgment. And like I said, he, even like Luke said, he's gonna, or John the baptizer said, He's going to separate the chaff from the wheat, the sheep from the goats. And my question for you is, are you waiting with anticipation? Are you expecting Jesus to return soon? We don't know when he's coming back. All we know is everything has been done. Everything has been fulfilled. He could come back before I finish this podcast. 
He could come back in the next five seconds. He could come back in the next second. Or he may not come back for another thousand years or even longer. Because the Bible says he is patient. He is long-suffering. He is waiting for people to come to him to be saved. He does not want anyone to perish, but to have, but for all to have eternal life with him in heaven. And so we wait. And we wait with anticipation. We know that the package is there. We know that Jesus, the Messiah, Messiah, the Messiah exists. And so we wait with anticipation. Like John the baptizer invited his listeners to pay attention to his message and to get with the program, I'm going to invite you to do the same, to give your life to Jesus, the Messiah, before it's too late. And John, man, when he was... uh, giving his message to these people. He didn't hold anything back. The people wanted to know if John was the Messiah, and he told them, he says, I baptize you with water, but someone's coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater than I am, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff will never with never-ending fire. And John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. So when John says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, here's what he's saying. He's saying Jesus is willing to save you because you can be filled with his Holy Spirit. He can, Or you can choose to reject Jesus and he can send you to hell where you will burn for eternity because you rejected him. You weren't expecting him you were you weren't waiting with anticipation you didn't choose to live for him therefore you weren't filled with and sealed with the holy spirit and you are chaff you who hung out with the wheat that would be the chaff will be separated and burned with never-ending fire and you know here's the thing you can pretend that hell doesn't exist but that does not change the fact that hell exists And if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity there. And I just don't understand why people choose to do that. Why not choose to have the blood of Jesus Christ washing away your sin and being filled with the Holy Spirit and living for Jesus? I just don't understand that. But people do it every day. They continue to reject Jesus. And so listen to the warning that John the baptizer gave his listeners. He says, give your life to the Messiah who has come and he is coming back. That's the message that we have today. Jesus has come and he's coming back. And here's the thing about it. When you preach the word, especially in today's time, and this is growing worse by the day. When you preach the word, when you preach the truth, when you call people's sins out, Be ready for persecution because you're going to be challenged like never before. You're going to be oppressed. You could be beaten. You can even be killed just like the martyrs were in the book of Acts. You see it all over the world. People die for their faith all the time. But we're starting to see it here in America now and it's only getting worse, like I said, day by day. People do not want to be told how to live. They don't want to be told what to do because we are selfish and we are very prideful. And we want to do what we want and we want to do what we please. And we don't want to be held accountable for our actions. And when we come to to, uh, uh, the the realization that God exists, then we come to the realization that we're being held accountable for our actions. Therefore, 
if we just continue to reject God, well, then I'm not held from accountable for my actions. But that's that, that's just a false belief because God exists, hell is real, Jesus exists, the devil exists, and if we don't give our lives to Jesus Christ and 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 live a life of purpose and meaning through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power in the name of Jesus, then we're going to be separated from God for eternity. But people don't want to hear that. They don't want, they don't want to be told what to do. And so when we question or we call out people's sin and we share the truth of God's word with them, they're offended. And when people are offended, and especially when they're challenged, you better watch out because they're, when they're backed into a corner, people come out swinging. And that's what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened to John the baptizer in Luke 3, 9 through 20, 19 through 20. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for, many, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs that he had done. So in other words, John the baptizer didn't lay, hold nothing back. He's telling her, uh, uh, he's telling Herod Antipas, you're, you're in sin for this, dude. You, you, know, you need to, to get right with God. And so Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to as many others. And then we find out from the other Gospels that John would be beheaded while he is in prison because of Herod Antipas' wife request for John the Baptist's head to be brought to her on a silver platter. And so... One of, the, uh, one of the things that I want to point out here uh, in, uh, in verse 20 and 21, or 21 and 22, it says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And, and from these two verses, I want to point this out. That crowds were being baptized by John. They're coming out, right? They're coming out to hear his message uh, about the Messiah and, and about repentance, and they were being obedient. And again, as I said in previous podcasts, and even today, if baptism wasn't important, and it's something that you don't have to do or you can do it later, then why are crowds coming out and being baptized by John? And he's baptizing them immediately in the Jordan River, right there on the spot. There was no baptismal Sunday. There was no pooling up of enough people to have a baptismal Sunday. They, they were literally, they came out to John, they heard the message, they repented, and they were baptized right there on the spot. Um, one day while John was out there preaching and baptizing these crowds of people, someone appears out of the crowd, and it was Jesus, the Messiah, the very one that they've been looking for. Now, Luke doesn't record what happens in detail, which surprises me about Luke. But other Gospels give more details about what's going on. In John 1, 29-30, John says this, The next day John saw Jesus, John the baptizer, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, A man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 3, 13 through 15, Matthew writes, Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And then John tried to talk him out of it, saying, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize Jesus. So 
just real quickly, when John baptizes Jesus, it's not for the remission of sins like we're baptized for because Jesus never sinned. But it basically kicked off Jesus's ministry. John knew his role. He knew his purpose. And his purpose was to prepare the way of the Messiah, to tell people that Jesus is here, the kingdom is at hand. And this is a lesson that we all need to learn uh, because we have a role to play. And our role is simply to tell people about Jesus, the, just like John the Baptist did. He, he knew his role and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. In fact, John said, he must increase and I must decrease. And John played his role perfectly. He did what he was supposed to do. He pointed people to Jesus. And when Jesus showed up and he was baptized by John, John said, it's time for me to get out of the way. And, 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 and he pointed people to Jesus. And John got out of the way. And matter, you know, as I just read, he was beheaded by Herod Antipas. And Jesus takes over. But it is our responsibility. You know, this, this thing, I said before in the last podcast and some in this podcast, this is not about you. This is not about me. It doesn't matter how good we are at something. Our lives should be pointing people to Jesus Christ and not to ourselves. And, and Luke's going to end this gospel with the genealogy of Jesus. And that genealogy uh, is different from Matthew's. Matthew's is told toward to Jews to point Jews to Jesus and how he traces Jesus' lineage through Abraham. Luke's genealogy goes back to Adam. And Luke's genealogy is pointed to uh, uh, Gentiles. And, and, they, and he is proving that Jesus is who he says he is, God in the flesh. Now, he died on the cross for our sins. And that's what this is all about. It, it has nothing to do with you or me. I mean, you look at John the baptizer. The guy was a nasty dude. He was a stinky dude living out in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey, baptizing people in nasty waters of the Jordan River. He was not clean. So the messenger has nothing to do with it. It's all about Jesus and our lives and our message that we live and that we share with people better be pointing people to Jesus Christ so that they too can have the hope that we have. So if you are a Christian today, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, what message is your life telling others about Jesus? Do they want the, the Jesus that you're sharing, that you're living for? Or do they look at you and say, they're no different than I am. They're just like me. They're full of the world. They're not full of Jesus. They're not full of joy. They're not full of the fruits of the Spirit. They're just like me. Or do they look at you and say, hey, I see Jesus in that person. Can they see our Savior when they look at the fruit of your life? If not, then we need to change something. We need to ask God's forgiveness and ask the Holy Spirit to take over our lives and lead us and guide us so that people, and this is something I pray every day in my prayer time. I, I, I tell God, I say, help me, you know, give me opportunities to share Jesus, to show Jesus, and may my life reflect you today. May people see Jesus in me. Can people see Jesus in you? I pray that they can. God bless you, 
and keep grinding. We'll see you next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.